0: Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts souls and minds. Hi, this is Anne. Welcome to this episode of the Soul Grit Podcast. Before we get started into our interview for today with Tammy Kennington, I wanted to give you a couple of little warnings or updates. Uh, today we're going to be talking about some abuse that happened in Tammy's family. So if you have young ears in the car or in the kitchen or wherever you listen to this, you might want put, to put in your earbuds um, or just listen to this at a time when um, maybe some of those more sensitive people are not around. And, and likewise, if you have a history of abuse in your family, um, listen with caution. I also wanted to tell you, um, since we, last week, we just talked about Encanto, and that was a really fun episode with Ivy, but it got me thinking that we actually do need to do a little bit more talking about families on the Soul Grit podcast. So, so it was a perfect time to pull out this interview with Tammy. I recorded it in the fall and was waiting for the perfect time to release it. So um, after we talked about family roles and family dynamics um, in the Madrigal family from Disney's Encanto last week, as well as the family of God, we're actually going to be Talking about some other family issues today. So, you will hear about the abuse that Tammy endured, as well as her recovery and and how she prevented her own kids from suffering from that. And then we'll also hear about generational curses. Now, I tried to bring a balanced view because there's a spiritual view and there's also a clinical view uh, of how trauma gets passed from generation to generation. So, You'll hear that today. You're also going to hear me talk about genograms and family therapy. So there's going to be a lot more to the conversation over the next few episodes. So what I would invite you to do, if you have a question about families or family therapy, send me an email at info at soulgritresources.com or DM me at soulgritresources on Instagram, and I will tr- find a way to incorporate your question into a future episode um, coming up here on the Soul Grit Podcast. So with all of that, I would like to introduce you to our guest today, Tammy Kennington. All right, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and today I'm here with Tammy Kennington, and she is a writer and speaker and mental health awareness advocate and I just want to welcome you today, Tammy. What else could you tell us about yourself?
1: Hi Anne. thanks so much well i'm I am a um, mom with two grown kids, two young teens, and a eighty five pound lap dog <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Well, I'm really glad that you're here today because we have some important conversations to have about faith and mental health and a little bit of your journey and then how that's allowed you to bring hope to other people through your writing and speaking. So let's gear up for that. Would you tell us a little bit about your background and why mental health and and trauma in particular are so important or meaningful for you?
1: Yeah. Um, I grew up in a, in, um, an abusive home situation in which my two young parents had divorced and my mother remarried. And that, that second marriage was very abusive. There was a lot of substance abuse, physical abuse and domestic violence, and a lot of sexual abuse. And so for 14, about 14 years, is that right? Yeah. Um, I was, Uh, I was as part of that family. And during that time, I, from the time I was four until I was 15, I was abused Mm -hmm. sexually by my stepfather. Mm -hmm. And so there, there was just so much trauma in that family and so much healing that needed to be done. And I've really seen God do so much in my own life that I want to share that with others so that they know that they can have joy on the other side of the pain. Mm -hmm.
0: So you said that the abuse happened until you were about 15. Yes. Okay. Can you tell us what happened at that time that things started to shift?
1: There was something in my mind that Um, I, I really just had a feeling that things were going to progress to a point that I was not going to be safe at all. And I really knew I needed to do something. So there was just one particular day that I, I was going to a basketball game and I met my mom there in the bathroom and I told her what had been going on. Mm-hmm. And she believed me to her credit. So from that point on, things did begin to ch- to change in our life, but it was, it was a long time to wait for that.
0: Yeah. During those times, when you were a child up until that moment, when you were 15 and you were brave and you told your mom and she believed you, which is great. Uh, but before that, what held you back from telling her?
1: Well, I, I was very fearful of him. I mean, he was, he was so violent. Um, I saw him do horrible things to my mom Mm. and I also saw him, um, you know, get the razor or not the razor, the, um, his belt off and, and use it on my brother. I was very, I was always in fear of us being killed. Mm. Um, so, I really thought that if I told he would probably kill us
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, that, that really is what, what held me back. I was just so afraid.
0: So I'm sure in your young mind that you endured the abuse so that you could protect your mom and your brother. Yeah, yeah,
1: I did. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So tell us what happened after 15
1: so after that, um, I was made to attend some counseling, which I, I at the time it was not help, very helpful for me. Although I do remember, um, the counselor saying, you know, when you get point up to a point in your life, when you're able to talk about this, then you'll be ready. Um, but I, I really tried to just push everything under the rug and, Uh, I thought I could just move on from it, Um, which was a wonderful delusion, but completely inaccurate. (laughs) So (laughs) um, I just thought, well, okay, I'm done with that. I thought I could compartmentalize and put it away. And um, it just didn't work that way. So when I went to college, um, I, I ended up having a relationship with it my, um, who is now my uh, young man, who's now my husband. And, and we had a long distance dating relationship, w- which was really re- kind of a nice thing because it had kind of a safety to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, over, t- and over time, when we eventually got married, um, we, we started realizing that, that there were issues creeping up from my background yeah. and, and that really started to, um, rear its head quite a bit mm-hmm. during, I'd say during my early, maybe it was even the late twenties. The first time we really started noticing it where I, ha- where I really decided I needed to get some help.
0: Yeah. And at that point, did you seek out some other counseling or what did you do to get help?
1: I did. And I have always been, I have always been a really reluctant person to seek out help. So I really did it at my, at my husband's great encouragement. Um, (laughs) um, and, but I did, I, I I saw a woman who was a a really kind counselor and we really just did some basic talk therapy Mm -hmm. and that was the, that was really the first time since high school when I'd been made to go to counseling mm-hmm. that I had attended any counseling, and it, and it did help um, with some issues that I was struggling with at the time, um, and it just started a really long, slow process. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What what other elements went into that process? Like, I'm assuming you were a young mother at that time too.
1: I was. Yeah. So we had two little ones and my husband was in and out on deployments at the time. And, um, we had that, well, it was just, there was a lot of turmoil going on. Mm -hmm. And so I really had, I saw her for quite a while. It must've been at least a year, maybe it was longer. Um, but, I really did need to need her help to, to work through some issues. But um, once I sort of felt like those settled down, then I stopped seeing her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I thought, okay, good, done. I'm good so, now. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, but I, w- I was wrong. So it's it's been interesting because it's like the trauma was, it, I kind of think of it as an onion and it's like been like peeling back all the different layers a little at a time. And um, so there were, then again, we had another time in my life when, um, I don't know, maybe it was five years later or something. And I needed to see someone again, because I was having horrible nightmares and, and all of the major um, PTSD symptoms were kind of cropping up. And lots of, lots of the anxiety and all those sorts of things. So we ended up doing talk therapy, doing, I've done so much therapy. I feel like, um, I, I know a little bit about everything. Um, Spelunkna, um, EMDR, um, which was really good. And then, um, A lot of prayer therapy um just kind of through prayer um with with one particular counselor and so it wasn't always just a one-size-fits-all for me it almost depended on what i was able to give without being overwhelmed
0: right you have to push yourself to a point where like, it is going to hurt and it's going to be challenging, but you can't push yourself so far that you become so emotionally t- raw, tender that you can't function. <laughs> you know? Right. There, like you said, that onion analogy that you only peel off one layer at a time. And you may have a different therapist for every layer, or you may have you know, a a period of time in therapy while you're working on the, that outer layer and then you take a break and then you go in and you work on that next layer. And so it it is a long process. You don't usually get healing just all at once, one and done. Okay. I'm good now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice?
0: (laughs) There's no pill for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So over the course of time and several different modes of therapy, you were able to get to a place where you felt like you were free from a lot of those PTSD symptoms.
1: Yeah, very much. So when I was, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe five years ago or so, we had an event in our family where we found out someone that, um, I love very much had been abused Mm -hmm. and that really triggered some major emotions And I went through, I went to the deepest level of, um, I I learned things about my trauma that I didn't know existed and um, it it sent me spiraling. And so at that point, I ended up seeing first one, one therapist for about a year and a year and a half. And then, and she said, okay, this is as far as I can take you with this because you need someone else to help you through this, um, this other area. Uh, And so um, then I saw another woman for about two years and we just really dug in. And um, so it ended up that that trigger when I was triggered by that very emotional event, um, it released this, this pain in me or something that really allowed her to help me in a new way. And I don't know that I would have ever realized some of that was there, but after, after that time with those two therapists, I walked away feeling like I was a whole person again. Yeah.
0: So, so even though you wouldn't want your loved one to ever have experienced what the experience, you, you saw how God used that to deepen the healing and complete the healing that you needed.
1: Yes, I guess so. It's, it's still really hard for me because um, it is um, one of the great questions why someone I would love would have to go through that. Yeah. Um and it rocked my faith. I mm-hmm. I really had to decide whether I was going to keep following Christ. Yeah. At that point. Um and it, and it was the first time I ever admitted I had been angry at him. Yeah. Um which I think a lot of people struggle with mm-hmm. um in their therapy and find that well it you, you don't think you should be angry at God mm-hmm. but we're emotional people and God knows every emotion we have anyway. So I might as well have admitted it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, um, so in any case I don't, yeah, I would never want that to happen to this person that I love. Um, it's one of the greatest regrets of my life, but I, I do know that God was able to use it somehow in my life. um, If that makes
0: sense because when we're in the pain or we're in the trauma is currently happening, or we've just discovered that it happened. It doesn't feel like that could ever be good. And even now it probably doesn't feel like that was good, but after you've worked through some of it, you can see, even though God did not want that evil thing to happen, that he still uses it.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I think um, he he will use even the worst circumstances to make something good come out of them if we really allow him to. Yeah. And I think that's where we need to grow, at least I do, where I need to continue to grow and trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's hard. So then after you came through these different layers of trauma healing, when did you start helping other people find hope?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. Um, I had, I blogged for a long time, but it was more a, a blog of release. Um, and just after, I don't know, somewhere along the way, after I found this healing I just realized that God wants me to share my story and not because it's not because I'm a a dynamic person or because I'm charismatic, I'm a pretty quiet person, but because he, he has done an amazing thing Mm -hmm. in my life. And I know how desperate people feel. I mean, I know how the The idea of just stopping your life at points is is so much a temptation um, that or, or you just want to give up or you feel like he doesn't see you. Um, so somewhere along the way, I just knew God wanted me to tell people that he's got them and to keep and to keep in. Um, the eternity in perspective and have hope because he's there for us. And so it just kind of shifted somewhere along the way. I'm not sure exactly when.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think probably a lot of people are drawn just to your gentleness about it and the courage that you've uh, shown through the process.
1: Well, thank you. I, I think, um, I think that that is I'm very grateful because I've had a lot of support from my husband and some other really important people in my life, my family. And so I I am, I'm very grateful that God has given them to me.
0: Yeah. Well, now that we know a little bit about your background and how God's worked through some of those things, I'd like you to talk a little bit about the idea of generational transmission or generational curses to use more of the christianese word (laughs) Um, give us a little background or a little synopsis of what is a generational curse
1: so a generational curse is a type of it's a type of agreement almost between a person and the enemy and in my in our, my situation, my family was very much involved in the Masons mm. and Eastern Star, and that is unfortunately a very pagan sort of um, cult. Mm-hmm. And it's it's um, it, Eastern Star in particular um does a lot of blending of of hymns and and, and Bible names and things like that with the things that they're doing. And, and um, they take a lot of vows. And so they memorize these vows from these books and they recite them. And my family did that for a number of generations. I'm not even sure how many generations back, mm-hmm. but at least to my great grandfather Okay. and um, all the way up through um, my, even my mom. So there were a lot of these vows taken. And when, when we give the enemy, when we make a vow to the enemy, it kind of makes a legal agreement with him mm-hmm. and gives him access into a family line. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So th- this is kind of like a spiritual thing that's happening behind the scenes while you're having different sort of like external actions, like, like committing yourself to being part of this group was what happened in your family. Yes, exactly. What type of, uh, family life or family behaviors did you see due to the involvement with those groups?
1: Well, it's really interesting. I've done a lot of reading research about it and a lot of families, who were involved in masons have a lot of issues there with um, things like sexual abuse Mm -hmm. um or apathy Mm -hmm. towards um towards the lord um there might be issues with um different birth defects Mm -hmm. and um just i mean it's a whole range of things um different kinds of breathing problems because in in masons there are different levels of there are different levels of um what do you of involvement and and so the the further you go into the masons or eastern star the more serious the vows are and um and so it really depends how involved that person is in that in that system but um, in any case though so other other kinds of curses though um are that that a person might struggle with maybe would be if they were um involved in drugs at some point or um, different things like that, because that also is just kind of an entry point mm-hmm. for Satan to, or, his, you know, the, to have some sort of spiritual agreement. And those really just need to be broken in a family line. Um, because if they're not broken through a, a strong type of prayer, then uh, speaking specifically over those vows, then that, then the enemy still thinks he has legal right into that family line. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in my family situation, for example, it's it, the, the abuse was rampant. Um, and there were, um, I mean, it's just, it, and it wasn't within our family. So it, as far as it wasn't any, anyone who is actual blood family. Mm-hmm. So
0: It's just really odd. So you were seeing the consequence of the previous generations in your family, even though you weren't participating in some of those cultic activities.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I, I have seen those things have repercussions in my own family's life. And when I realized what was going on, um, I was working at a church as a preschool director Mm -hmm. and they they said, Oh, I think we, I think we know what's going on here. And we did some um, great prayer over it. And uh, I really feel like that, that really released a lot of, of what the enemy's strongholds were. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think it's something that, you know, I know people say, well, if that's old Testament. Yes, but it doesn't mean that it still doesn't exist. Yes. So, um, it, I mean, the things that we say have power, there's power in, in our vows and our words and our promises. So I just think it's, um, some, I saw it play out quite a bit in our family.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that some other ways that that might happen might be through like drugs. I've seen a lot of families where alcohol kind of has the hold from generation to generation. And even I'm sure you've heard of women that have been raised by alcoholic fathers or stepfathers. And they say, I would never want to have alcohol. And then they end up marrying an alcoholic. And then the pattern repeats with their own children. And same thing with, um, Different types of abuse, whether that is um, verbal or physical or sexual or spiritual, even that a lot of times children that have come from families that where sexual abuse happens, for example, end up if they don't get help, like you did, <laughs> um, they might have kind of like a mixed up sense of identity around sexuality. And then you see that play out in various behaviors and identities as, you know, generations go on and then it doesn't get healed unless you have intervention, right? And so therapy is one intervention and prayer is an intervention that you have, you have to do some or all of those things. in in order to break that chain.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's up, it's imperative. And really, I mean, Jesus is the one who heals those things. So Um, but we have to be willing to, to seek
0: the help for it. Yeah. So I am thinking that there's probably situations like that where maybe one of the people in the younger generation realizes that something bad is going on and that they might seek therapy to get that help, but they don't ever realize that there was a spiritual tie to it. And they go through lots and lots of therapy, but never feel like they really get the freedom that they need.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think that I really realized there was a spiritual aspect to it probably until 10 years ago, when I went through that, that last bit of healing there, maybe it was, maybe it was seven years ago, but I mean, I really... I really didn't understand. So I think, I think there might be, even as Christians, we have a little lack of understanding that, (laughs) that our, our fight is not against just flesh and blood, right? Our fight is against this, against the spiritual things in the heavenly realms. So I think it's more real than we really realize.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and depending on what your faith background is, or your, the tradition that you've been a part of then praying in that way might seem a little bit scary or a little bit cuckoo or, (laughs) you know, and so that is also an obstacle that people might face. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it was definitely out of my comfort zone. I, I was raised, well, I didn't actually get, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. as You might've guessed, but I did start going to church when I was in junior high. And from that time on, it was, everything was very, very, um, kind of straight-laced evangelical. So it was a little out of my comfort zone, but there is power in it. So it was, I feel very blessed to have had that opportunity. Mm
0: -hmm. I, I just wanted to also, Uh, You know, on the podcast, I like to be a little bit educational, but also, you know, share those stories of encouragement and hope. So the clinical part of me wants to jump in here (laughs) a little bit Um, within various counseling theories. There is a lot of talk about generational transmission. And um, like, I'm a family systems therapist, as well as, you know, cognitive behavior therapy and all of that. But I, I've, since grad school I was really drawn to family systems theory, because you see how, uh, you know, all family members, previous and current are part of, they're like cogs in this big machine, you know, and if one part of the machine is not working, the rest of the parts have to change to compensate for that, or they get um, like like I'm thinking like I had a low tire pressure the other day, and if I continue to drive around on my car and low low tire pressure, I not only ruin the tire, but I could ruin the rim, and I could you know like all, all these other things could happen to my car because I didn't fix the tire pressure, and it's kind of the same in families where if there was, say there was one person in your family history that decided like, I'm really drawn to these masons or, or what, for whatever reason, and now the whole family is impacted by that. And so one of the ways that we kind of search that out and figure it out is by drawing a genogram. And genogram is, did you ever do one of those?
1: No, but I've heard of them, but I'd love to hear more.
0: Okay. Well, it's basically like a a very technical looking family tree. So you will draw yourself and your children, your siblings, your parents, and then usually most people don't know too much about their families beyond their grandparents. And so you'll go through that and you might add aunts and uncles and cousins, depending on how much you know about them. And we would add things like, um, When, when were they born? How old were they when they died? Was there any abuse? Were there divorces? Were there um, children that were born out of wedlock? Were there um, drug or other substance abuse problems? Like, what was the spiritual identity of different people? Uh, You know, and well, there's little symbols that Denote all these different things so that when you're working on it with your therapist, your therapist can get this idea of what exactly has happened in the previous two or three generations that has kind of led you to this point. (laughs) This point of like, oh, there's mental illness in my family or there's substance abuse or nobody's ever not gotten divorced in my family or whatever might be happening. So um, in family systems, we draw a genogram to be able to understand out of all those people that now we have you and how do we help you heal when all this other stuff is going on? How do you be the chain breaker? You know? out of this generational thing that's been transmitted from your grandparents to your parents, to you. And let's hope that you didn't pass it to your kids, but maybe you already did. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, a really interesting tool. And so I guess I just want to, to balance out because I firmly believe in the power of the Holy spirit and the salvation through Jesus Christ. I am also a clinical provider and, I love to point out when what what like social scientists are doing to figure out you know counseling and psychology and all of that they they develop all these fancy theories and then I go yeah that's what the bible said <laughs> you know, it all matches up so what what you experience on a spiritual level what the Bible says in the old Testament and and coming in through the new Testament and Jesus being able to break down those strongholds for us. That's what counseling psychology is saying too. So that gets me a little excited when that happens.
1: That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think for people who want to identify generational curses? What's something that they can do?
1: Well, I think the first, the first thing I think they can look at is for patterns, um, mm-hmm. in their family. Um, what kinds of patterns are they noticing in themselves and their parents and grandparents? So, kind of like you were saying really, and then, um, I would really pray about it, um, and just listen to what the Holy spirit says. Yeah. Um, and then, if they're, if they're aware of something very obvious, like substance abuse or, um, you know, sex, um, a lot of sex outside of marriage issues or things like that, then they can, um, they can seek some, somebody to pray with, whether it's a pastor or a counselor or, um, a, a, you know, it, if they have masons in a family, um, then there are actual groups of people who will, who are trained to pray over that. So I think that those are places to start. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I would agree. I just wanted to see if there was something you knew about that. I didn't know about like, is there a ministry that does this or how do you find somebody like that? That can help you through this.
1: Um, there is for the mason's ministry i'm trying to i can't remember the name mm-hmm. offhand but um they, they actually do help just specifically for people whose families have been involved in in the masons mm-hmm. and um so but if you look for people who um, some counselors for example really specialize in prayer or deliverance prayer as part of their counseling ministry, um, that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I did that with my last counselor, um, and it was
0: very helpful. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So now that you've done all of this prayer and all of this therapy to, to just be free of this background that you inherited from your family, Um, What differences do you notice with your own children?
1: Hmm. You know, um, my two youngest are really involved in, in church and they really are pursuing the Lord and that's very exciting. Um, So, and, and they have, they have not had to deal with any of the trauma. So I'm, I'm so grateful to see it. They've enjoyed a very, kind of protected childhood and, um, the two older boys, um, our Connor is, he, he loves the Lord. He's, um, uh, 24 and, um, struggles with mental health. He's, um, trying to find his, his way, but he really loves the Lord. And then our oldest is, is getting married soon. So we're seeing some really Good things happen and God has just been really faithful to us through all of it. Mm
0: -hmm. It must be really amazing to see like where you came from and then how well your kids are doing now. And to know, like if you hadn't gone through all of that hard work of peeling back those onion layers, then your kids would have experienced a different outcome, probably.
1: Yeah, I I feel really grateful because I do feel. Like God, um, I, I know he made me just to be a mom and I didn't, I didn't have the, I know that there are usually, you know, these disconnects as parents, when we have had ambivalent attachment, I think that's probably was my attachment style as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was not an ambivalent mom. Um, I, I was very attentive and my husband was very attentive. So I feel like really fortunate that we've given our kids as normal, quote unquote, a, um, a time as in life Mm -hmm. as we could in a Christian home.
0: Yeah. If people want to hear more from you, I know you're writing and speaking all over the place. So where could we get more of Tammy?
1: Um, you can find me online at, um, www.tammykennington.com, or you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm there
0: too. Is it at Tammy Kennington?
1: It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. And I'll make sure I have those links in the show notes so that people can easily click over there and see what you're writing about. Is there anything you've written recently or spoke about recently that is really exciting you? Well, um,
1: I actually just pitched a novel to my, not a novel, a children's book to my agent that she's sending out. It's, um, who is God from A to Z? And it's all about the names of father, son, and Holy spirit, um, for little ones.
0: Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm excited about that. We'll we'll see if someone picks that up anytime soon
0: what age range are you gearing that for?
1: That's for ages, um, about three to seven.
0: Okay. Well, I hope it comes out because I have one that's about to turn seven. So I want to snag that before they get too old.
1: (laughs) Otherwise you have to
0: do a teen version.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That would be a lot different.
0: (laughs) Yeah. it would, Right. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Well, um, I always wrap up interviews with the question, what are you doing for soul care? So my soul care,
1: I have been thinking about this and, you know, it's probably similar to what a lot of your listeners do, but especially in the last year and a half, I really have just been so hungry for the word Mm -hmm. and just for being in prayer and just having my time with God. And so I, I just have to absolutely spend my time in the morning with him. And so I, I get in my rocking chair and by the window and look out and I can see the mountains. And I just sit there and I pray and I listen to worship music and then read the word. And that is just, that feeds my soul.
0: Good, I love it. Well, are there any um, particular resources that you'd like to use during that time? Or is it straight Bible?
1: Um, I do I I like to delve into the language so I um, like to visit biblehub.com a lot okay. and check out the commentaries in the Strong's Greek and um, I, I get a little excited by words so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: you get more meaning when you read it in the original language of course I'm assuming you're not fluent in Greek but like you <laughs> <laughs> Definitely you, not. You can go when there's an interesting word, you can go and you can see just the how full and deep the meaning of the scripture is through that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I can't speak over to Greek,
0: but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, you can, you know, I don't know if you use the Bible app, the UVersion app, but I use that and you can highlight a verse and then you can click the compare button and then it will show you the verse in different translations. But I also include a Spanish translation on there because I have a little bit of a Spanish background. I'm not fluent, but when I read it in both, like I'll read it in King James and I'll read it in the Passion, like like something like really set apart in English. And then I'll read it also in a Spanish translation. Then I'll go, oh, and I'll get a little bit more of that fullness of knowledge. Just if it's part of meditating on just those small little sections of scripture.
1: Mm, yeah that's wonderful I'll have to try
0: that yeah do you have any other languages
1: uh well a little a little bit of Spanish and, and that's about it
0: okay yeah try it or d- at least try different English translations because that helps you I'm sure you already do that too
1: <laughs> I do I, I do love the different versions I've, I've been really enjoying the amplified version lately
0: good how fun Well, I, I love talking about Bible too, so I'll try not to get derailed here because we're wrapping up, but I just want to, again, express my appreciation for you just sharing vulnerably about your family background and the hard work that you've done to just get freedom and be able to pass that on to not only your children, but people who hear you speak or read your writing and just thank you for what you're doing.
1: Well, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me.
0: The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Resources. You can email me at info at